Hey, why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is we're going to be this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible on you this morning, if you forgot your Bible, didn't bring a Bible, throw your hand up. We'll get a Bible into your hands so that you can follow along. Grab a copy of God's Word, either one of these, or, or if, if you have your own, or, or maybe your phone, whatever, however you got a copy of God's Word, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Easy to find. If you go to Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, just keep heading right. You'll go, go through all the Gospels, Acts, Romans, and you'll hit 1 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter 12 this morning. And I'm excited as you turn there, excited to jump into a new series. Um, and, and, and as we wrapped up this last series, so thankful for last week. I don't know if you were here to hear Pastor Matt as he just brought a great closing to our series on the attributes of God. If, if you missed last week, I'd say this, go jump online, listen to that sermon as Matt using his life almost as the example saying, God is good. God is good even in the midst of suffering. So if you missed that last week, be sure to check that out. And uh, continue to pray for Pastor Matt as God continues to uh, pour his grace on him. Pray for Matt's recovery, for, for, for Matt's sake, for, for God's glory, for our good as a church as well. But, but this morning, excited to jump into this new series. We're, we're going to spend the next three Sundays working through a few chapters in 1 Corinthians talking about spiritual gifts. Now, one of the many things that I really love about our church here is that, 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 that this is a very diverse group of people that, ha- that come from a lot of spiritual backgrounds, Right? We have people here who grew up Baptist. We have people here who grew up who grew up Presbyterian. We have people who grew up in the Brethren Church. We have people who grew up in a Pentecostal church. We have people who, who grew up with no spiritual upbringing at all. And, and when we start talking about the gifts of the Spirit, we have people here who, who would have grown up and say, man, I grew up in more of a charismatic movement. There are others here who go, no, I, I grew up in a non-charismatic movement. Then there are others here who are going, I don't even know what this charismatic stuff you're talking about is, all right? And I, I love that. I love that about our church. It makes for a good church. It really does. It makes for small group discussion to be a little wacky sometimes, doesn't it? Because we're all bringing, hey, hey, here's the, the, the way I was brought up. Here's the thing I learned from God's word. And, and we all come together, all these various backgrounds. There's something so rich about that. If you've been in church for any amount of time and you hear that we're going to spend three Sundays talking about spiritual gifts, if you do have a church background, then some questions immediately will jump into your mind, right? Spiritual gifts, okay, all right. It's Kai bringing snakes in next week. We're going to handle some snakes, right? Come on up and test your faith, right? No, we're not doing that, okay? We're not, but, but maybe you've got some questions, but what, what about this kind of, kind of those gifts I've heard about or experienced or, or seen? What about those ones that are, are, are a little more out there? Well, let me, let me start here. Before we jump into the word, before we jump into our points this morning, let me define a few terms, all right? Let me start by talking about what is a spiritual gift. And then we're gonna unpack this more as we walk through the text this morning, but, but just a, a real quick of what a spiritual gift is not. A spiritual gift is not this. It's not God has some supernatural power for me, some ability for me. And so, so we can sometimes jump into a passage like this and go, man, I gotta find out what my superpower is. And the whole discussion then becomes about, hey, what's my special ability? Well, well, the title of this sermon is called Many Gifts, One Body for a Reason. It is pulled out of the text here before us. That there is a, there is a, a unified diversity that's supposed to happen in church. What do I mean by that? I mean, there, 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 there's a diversity in that each one of you, if you know Christ, you have been uniquely gifted by the Holy Spirit, but, but you're gifted for what? For the mission together. 
The whole point of 1 Corinthians 12 is, is not to figure out some special spiritual ability that you have. It, it's really this. The reason we jump into God's word, the reason we wanna know what the spiritual gifts are is so that we can ask this question. How can I best serve this mission together in my church? So, so I would say a good definition of a spiritual gift then would be this. It's a spirit-given ministry empowerment. That's a good definition. It is a spirit-given ministry empowerment. It's this unique way that God pours out his grace on you, pours out his spirit in your life at that moment of salvation where you're given this gift. Why? So that you can then pour out for others. It's a ministry empowerment. Now, here's why that's important. Here's why that's really important. It means that this, it means that we gather together as a church. We're not gathering together as a bunch of observers. This is, not an, this, this is not an audience of service attenders. That's not what church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a community of spirit-filled disciple makers. I'll tell you, my, my church background is this. I kind of grew up in a church background where, where you came to church just to kind of observe on Sunday mornings. That, that's what it was all about. It was this destination. We're going to church. And it was kind of all about that building, all about that place we would get together. And, and so what happens is, if that's the way church is, we're just kind of coming here for the show on Sunday morning, it can be a lot like just going to the movies. You, you show up a bit early. You may have some small talk with some people. Then you, you watch what happens, right? And you, and you might even be moved a bit by it. And then afterwards, you might have a, a quick little small talk again, but then you go home. No real engagement, but if we're really gathering, if we really believe what God's word says, that we're gathering as spirit-filled, spirit-empowered people, then this changes how we do church. It is not an audience of, of service attenders. Then No, we are a spirit-empowered community, what? On mission together. I mean, Paul says in, in Ephesians chapter one and Romans chapter six that, that if you're a Christ follower, you have the power of God's spirit in you, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. That's what happens. The Spirit empowers every believer in this, this unique way, this, this unique capacity for what? For serving the mission of God. So for us here it, at, at our location here in Huntsville, here's the danger that can happen for us. That this building gets built, we roll into this, this new building, and here's the danger. We can get really comfortable. Okay, we've arrived. We got a building. We're not setting up, tearing down. We're not having to do so much work anymore. We can just come, watch, listen, go home. And it's such a danger. It'll, it'll woo us into what church is not. Church is not a time for us just to, to come and sit back and just be, be spoken into. No, it's a way for us to gather together to be sent out on mission. All right, let, let, me, let me define a, a few more terms before we jump into the text here this morning. Because when it comes to what we would call the supernatural gifts, which, which I think is a, a really bad way of calling because all the gifts are supernatural, right? They're all given by the Spirit. They're all Spirit-given, Spirit-empowered. But, but for way of explanation, we, we talk about these supernatural gifts. And, and if, again, if you're raised in church, you would have heard of these things, the gift of tongues, gift of healings, gift of prophecy. And, and there are a couple of different doctrinal positions for where people land as they think about these types of gifts. Let me roll out some of these for you before we jump into the word. First is this, it's cessationism, right? A, a cessationist, that, that would be someone who believes that, that the supernatural gifts ceased when all the apostles died. A cessationist doesn't believe that God no longer heals, all right? God still heals, but, but he doesn't give that gift to people. There are no more gifts of prophecy. There are no more gift of tongues. Those cease, so a cessationist. There's another group of, uh, another line of thinking called uh, continuationism. 
right? A, a continuous would believe that what? That the gifts continue, that they're still available today, all the gifts for the church today. There's a couple other ways people look at this. There's be one that I would call more of the traditional Pentecostal way of looking at the gifts. And, and that would be this, that the sign that you actually have the Holy Spirit would be that you could speak in tongues. So, so if, you're, if you, you kind of buy into this, that if you don't speak in tongues, you're a bit of a junior Christian, right? You, you haven't reached the, the higher level of what a Christian would be because you don't speak in tongues. In fact, I would say this. I had a lunch with a Pentecostal minister just a while ago, and, and he asked me this question. He said, man, I, I don't understand how God is growing harvest so much. I understand why, why people are getting saved, why things are happening, because you guys don't have the Holy Spirit. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you don't speak in tongues. I said, no, I don't. He said, so, so man, man are, you not, are you not worried that you don't have the Holy Here's the thing. Here's what I'd say. We don't land on that position in case you're wondering, all right? I love Pentecostal brothers and sisters. I, I, I love them so much, but here's what I believe. I believe that scripture is clear that when you receive Christ, when your life is given to Christ, you receive the spirit of God the moment you're saved. You are filled with the spirit at that moment. Right? And, and we're gonna see from this text right here how, how if you put that kind of emphasis on one of the gifts, you're missing what the gifts are. Here, here's a fourth one. So, so cessation is continuous. We have kind of the traditional Pentecostal way. We also have another theological position that I would call the charismaniacs. Okay, charismaniac, not really a theological term, right? Kind of just making that one up. But, but he, here's, what, here's what it is. There are certain churches that have so far moved away from the authority of God's word towards this, I want this experience. I want this kind of thing going on. I want to focus on that. And, and scripture no longer holds the same authority any longer. You'll see this in a church where all of a sudden the gifts take prominence, where, where health and wealth are the big things celebrated, where, where, man, God doesn't want anybody to be sick. You all should be healed. And, and what happens is you move away from scripture. Listen, I'll tell you, we flat out reject that position. I think it's a dangerous, a dangerous place to be. Now, as a church, where do we be as a church? Knowing that, listen, there are a variety of people here who hold a variety of different positions on this. As a church, we're a continuous church. But I would say it this way. I've stolen this term from somebody else. We would say that we are charismatics with a seatbelt, all right? That's kind of how we'd say it, all right? What do I mean by that? As a church, we are centered on God's word, that, that nothing outweighs the Bible in, in, in matters of life, in practice, in, in faith, in anything. It's the word of God that informs us. It's the word of God that shapes us. And so we strive to be a church that's about doctrinal purity, that, that's rooted in the sufficiency of God's word. Now, now in saying that, I, I believe that, that scripture lays out that, that supernatural gifts are given to any generation, even today. Listen, according to the limits of scripture. And so we're centered on God's word, fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit. I would believe that, that things like tongues and prophecy and healings and miracles, they, they do exist today, but they have to be done in a way that's biblical, in a way that doesn't violate the teachings of Scripture. And so in the third sermon on this series, we're not going to roll this out this morning, but in the third sermon, three sun, two Sundays from now, we're going we're to unpack more how these gifts are put into practice. And in saying all that, we're looking at 1 Corinthians here, and I want to give you some context before we jump into it here to know this, that this church, it's a letter that Paul's writing to a church that's completely messed up. Right? This is a church that, that, that you don't read these chapters. And you don't go, hey, man, we, we want to be like the Corinthian church. No, they're a train wreck of a church. That they had bad doctrine. They had tons of pride. They, they definitely were not united on mission together. How do I know this? Because as Paul's writing this, this letter, you, you see that they were constantly fighting with each other. 
Now, here's the thing. I, I, I don't believe that a healthy church won't have any disagreements. We have disagreements here, right? We do. We do. Conflict-free is not the definition of a healthy church or a healthy relationship. Right? Married couples, conflict-free is not the definition of a good marriage, all right? And married people around the room go, Whew, right? <laughs> no, it's not conflict-free. I would say this. We're conflict-resolving. That we're constantly looking at, hey, where are there areas in, in our lives with each other that we need to take this to the Lord? We need to put this under the gospel. And so here's what's going on in this church, though. They were not working out their conflicts. What they were doing is they're just abandoned. They're just like, forget it. I'm just going to leave you guys. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. Or, or they're even actually going to the place of they're suing each other. Christians in the church suing, taking each other to court because they're so mad at each other, fighting constantly. I mean, you look at 1 Corinthians 8. They couldn't even agree on what to eat for lunch. Like, that's how, how messed up this church is. There was also sexual sin in this church that Paul says that the pagans were looking in on this church going, man, you guys are bent. You guys are messed up. They had things totally upside down. They were, they were completely missing God's word. What do I mean by that? They're focusing on some things and neglecting others. They're, they're taking each other to court while they weren't loving each other. They're living in, in total disobedience to God's word then bragging about how spiritual they were. Look at verse one, it says this of chapter 12. Paul starts out and says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Paul's laying this out saying, I mean, I want you guys to know some things. So if you're taking notes this morning, here's the first thing we're gonna see from this passage. Spiritual gifts are given by God. Spiritual gifts are given by God. And what's going on is that this church is so messed up. It's, it's so chaotic. It's so upside down, so unhealthy. But they thought, they thought they were super spiritual. And they're, they're saying, look how spiritual we are. Look, look at these spiritual gifts we've got going on. Man, I think it's because we're amazingly spiritual. It'd be kind of like this. It'd be like, they don't do it so much anymore, but in the early days of, of the American Idol, that, that series, right? You watch American Idol in the first few weeks were kind of the only ones I used to watch because they were the most enjoyable one, right? Because those are the, the episodes where people get up who think they can sing really well, right? And they're like, yeah, my mom says I'm the greatest singer ever. And they're like, I'm gonna be the next American Idol. You better watch out. And they start singing, right? Then what happens, right? Simon just rips them down, right? I'm an awesome singer. Uh, no, 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 actually, you're not an awesome singer, right? That's this church here. Like we are so spiritual. We have these gifts. And Paul goes, uh, no, no, actually you're not that spiritual. That's why he says in verse one, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters. Now, now if you've got a Bible with, with little, little footnotes on there, you'll notice after spiritual gifts, there's a footnote. And, and you, tr you go down to the bottom there and it says spiritual gifts or, or what? Or spiritual persons. It's because that, that word there that Paul's using, it's not actually translated literally as spiritual gifts. It's translated literally as spirituality or spiritual things. It could be people. It could be gifts. It's depending on how you use it. So, so really, here's what Paul's saying to these people saying, aren't we so spiritual? And Paul goes, hey, listen, listen, you guys don't get what true spirituality is. So I, I want you to understand what spirituality looks like. Like, look at verse four. Here's where you see the word spiritual gift actually used. It says, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. That, that word there, gifts, the, the Greek word is, is charismaton. 
It's where we get the word charismatic from. Now, now I don't usually bust out Greek words to you, right? But here, here's why, why I say this one, because the, the root word of this charismaton is charis, and that word actually means grace. So really, you could translate it as not just spiritual gifts. You could say these are grace gifts. What do I mean by that? I mean, you don't earn these gifts. They're just given by God. So, so now think about what's going on in the Corinthian church. Here they are, they're they're walking around saying, hey, look how awesome I am. Look at my gift. A gift that was was what? Was not earned by them. A gift they they didn't deserve. They're they're bragging about their gifts. They're they're specifically in 1 Corinthians, they're bragging about the gift of tongues, right? So they'd roll up to you and go, oh, what what gift do you have? Oh, administration, lame. I got the gift of tongues, right? How weird is it that they would take pride in something that they were given as a gift? To to brag about something you didn't earn, to brag about something you actually didn't deserve. It's like the person who's who's been a train wreck financially their whole life, they get given this massive inheritance and now the huge inheritance, they start bragging about their, their business ability and their financial ability. Are you kidding me? It was a gift you didn't earn. That's the gift. It's all grace. It's, it's all God's purposes. So Paul's saying, listen, I, I don't want you guys to be uninformed about what it is to be super spiritual. So let's actually talk then about what these grace gifts are. The, these things that come to you because of the relentless and, and, and abounding grace of God. When you start to see gifts that way, what do you do? You start to take your attention off the gifts. You take your attention off the person with the gifts. Why do we ever elevate somebody? Man, look at this person's amazing gift. Let's put them up. Let's worship them. Let's tell them how awesome they are. Really, really, when you see a gift displayed in somebody, man, your first action should be, God, you are amazing. That in your generosity and your care for the mission of the gospel, you would give these gifts. So Paul says, I I want you guys to understand this. I I don't want you to be uninformed about this, that these gifts, these gifts come from God. A variety of gifts, verse four says, the same spirit. A variety of service, the same Lord. A variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them in everyone. Verse seven, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit. And that's unbelievable. If you think about that, if you're a Christ follower here this morning, How amazing is that? That that you have a supernatural spiritual gift. Each one of you has at least one. It says, because to each one is given. Some some you have even more than one. And you receive the supernatural power. Why? To serve God. A, A supernatural power to enable you to do ministry like Jesus did ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, it was Jesus who said in John 14, 12, he said, hey, when I go to the Father... Whoever believes in me will do, will do the works that I do and greater than these you will do, he says. Jesus is leaving his disciples. He's going to the Father. He's, he's told his disciples before, it's better if I go because if I go, I can send you the Spirit. He told them in the book of Acts, hey, hey, don't go do ministry. Don't go do it until the Spirit comes because that's where the power is gonna come from, the Spirit of God filling you. And he says in John 14, with the Spirit in you, you can do greater works than I did. Like, Really? I'm going to take a stab in the dark here. There's nobody in this room who's walked out on Lake Muskoka, all right? There's nobody here in this room who, who went to McDonald's, got a Happy Meal, and then took it and fed thousands of people with the one Happy Meal, right? There's no, no one's done that. There's no one here who's raised someone from the dead. So, so what does this mean? I mean, none of our spiritual resumes come close to Jesus. How can he say that when the Spirit comes, we'll do greater works than he did? 
Listen, listen, Jesus could feed 5,000 people, but billions of Christians can feed so many more. Jesus could pray and care for people, but a church filled with hundreds of Christ followers can care for and pray for even more. He, he could teach people, but, but billions of Christians can teach people in every nation. It's, it's a, a greater impact. Why? Because now there are so many spirit-filled Christians able to, to serve, to glorify God, to bless, to heal, to, to see people saved, to make disciples. And so as a Christian, you've been given this gift or gifts by God for his purpose, for his mission. If I look at verse eight, you see these gifts, some of these gifts listed out. It says, for one is given the spirit of the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, and all of these, <clears throat> all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. If you read through scripture, you can, you can look in Romans chapter 12, you can see in Ephesians chapter four, you can see in, in 1 Peter chapter four, more lists. And what we see here are the, all these lists of gifts, gifts. And I would say this, that, that, that it, it means this, that they're not exhaustive. It's not like this is the list, that's it, put them together, those are it. There, there are probably other gifts that, that aren't listed here in scripture. And Paul's going, hey, hey, here's some of the gifts that the, the Spirit can give. One Spirit giving it to us, unified as one body on mission, but each uniquely gifted. Like some of you here, you have the gift of teaching. Right? And, you, and you can clearly unpack God's word for people to learn and to understand. So some of you here have, have a gift of administration and you have just a way of, of making sure that ministry in our church will flourish because you organize it well for us. Some of you here have a gift of hospitality and, and you just make people feel so welcomed and loved. Different gifts given to different people. There are different portions of the gift as well, right? Not just a variety of different gifts, but different portions of those gifts. There are some of you here, you may have a gift of leadership and, and you can lead your small group so well. There, there are some, maybe you have, you have a, a bit different of that gifting or maybe even more of that gifting and, and not just leading 10 or 12 people, you lead hundreds of people. Or, or maybe there's some here with a gift of leadership that, that God would have you by the power of his spirit lead thousands of people. Different portions that God decides to give. There, there are different ways the gifts are used too. Just a variety of ways that, 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 that God can empower you to use your gift. There are some here, you have a gift of teaching, but you, you, you teach in such an encouraging way. And you're the person who come along some, alongside of somebody who's, who's hurting, who's struggling. You say, hey, hey, let me open up God's word. Let, let me show you what God's word says about your suffering. Let me show you what God's word says to encourage you. Some of you have the gift of teaching and, and, and you're more about the, hey, let me teach you what this actually says. I need to give you some better knowledge so you can handle the word better. Some of you have a gift of teaching. Man, man you can bring conviction. Different ways of using the same gift. You see how it's, it's just used in different ways. Some of you have multiple gifts. Some of you maybe only have one, but here's what we see in this text here. Every believer has at least one gift given by God. Look again at verses four to six. It's amazing. You, you see the whole trinity at work in the giving of these gifts. We call them spiritual gifts, but, but look at, look at, at what's, what it says here. A variety of gifts, but the same spirit, Holy Spirit, Spirit of God. A variety of services, but the same Lord, Jesus, who's given these. There are a variety of activities, but it's the same God, God the Father. You have the full Trinity at work. This is amazing for you as a follower of Christ, pouring out these gifts on you, spiritual gifts given to you by God. 
Here's our second point. They're given to who, though? To those who call Jesus Lord. They're given to those who call Jesus Lord. Remember, Paul's trying to turn these guys around saying, hey, hey you, have a, you have the wrong idea of what these gifts are about, and, and you guys have missed it as a church. So what does he say in verse 2? He says, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. He's saying this, hey, hey, just because you have some sort of special gift, that, that's not the evidence you have the Spirit in you. It's, it's not the gift of tongues that mean you have the Spirit of God. It says when your life, Paul's saying, when your life is lived out in a way that says Jesus is Lord, man, that's the evidence of the Holy Spirit in you. When you live in a way where you say, Jesus, you're my highest authority. Your opinion, your word is supreme for me. When you, when you can say, I value no one and nothing above Jesus. I, I, I love no one and nothing above Jesus. I serve, I honor, I obey, I follow, I imitate Jesus. That's the spirit of God at work in you. You see, where the, where the Corinthians had come from, they came out of a pagan lifestyle where, where they had a different God for every need they had. If you wanted kids, you go to the fertility God. Hey, God, I want these kids. If your crops aren't doing well, you go to the right God for that. If, if you're sick, you go to a God for that. And, and, and now they've found Jesus, but, but they still want to kind of have, I want one foot in, in, in the world of Jesus, and I, I want another foot still over here. It's not like there are people in the Corinthian church as Christians standing up saying, I'm a, I'm a Christian, Jesus be accursed. But there are men and women in the church who are saying, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but but I'm going to get my comfort. I'm going to get my power. I'm going to get my control. I'm going to get my energy and my joy and my peace somewhere other than Jesus Christ. It's called idolatry. Every time you turn your back on Jesus and pursue after some other comfort, when you, when you pursue after something else, saying, this will give me power. This will give me the peace I'm looking for. This is what I'm, I'm going to get. I'm going to seek after the approval of other people. You're actually saying Jesus is a curse. What we're saying when we go after sin, we go after even good things, saying, I'm grabbing hold of this gift, this gift, if people see me doing this, man, then I feel like I, my identity is sure. When we do that, what we're saying is, Jesus, I don't need you. I don't want you. You're not a good God, and you don't provide for me. This provides. Paul's saying no one indwelt by the Holy Spirit puts a foot in both worlds. You, you, you have, when you're in the Spirit, when the Spirit of God fills you, you, you say, Jesus, you are Lord. It's where you push all the chips on the middle of the table. You go, I'm all in for you, Jesus. I'm all about you, my hope, my identity, my peace. It's, it's no longer in stuff. It's not in people. It's not in spiritual gifts. It's found in Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And here's what I'm not saying. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. It doesn't mean we don't have those times where we, we reach out for something else for hope, where we stumble and fall and put our hope in other things. It just means that, that today, right now, that you're doing your best right now with all the grace you've been given by the power of the Holy Spirit as the Spirit reveals in your life a, a, an area in your life where you're grasping after something other than the gospel for your hope, for your identity, for your peace. When you're grasping after that and the Spirit reveals where you go, I don't want that anymore. And you do what the Bible calls repent. You, you turn away from that. I want to trust in you, Jesus, and that's it, all in. Jesus, you're Lord. 
I don't want my, my feet in, in different worlds. I want to be all in on Jesus Christ. And listen, I don't know how often I'm actually in that place where I'm fully standing on Christ, but I mean, I want to be there. I want to fight to be in that place. I want to trust that God is moving me more and more, revealing my heart more and more, saying, hey, you're not fully standing. You're not fully resting on Christ for all. And I, I, I'm trying to put sin to death in my life. To grow in the presence and the power of Jesus Christ. And, and this is where Paul's stepping in and he's rebuking them because they think they're so strong. He's going, you don't realize how weak you actually are. You, you think it's the gifts that make you spiritual. So, so they're putting this huge focus on the gift. And Paul says, are you kidding me? It's all grace that you have that. And if you miss that, you're missing that it's all Jesus. And he's saying in all of this, put your focus on Jesus. That Jesus is Lord. That he's the eternal God, that, that Jesus saw that we were in the situation we were in, that we were separated from God in our sin and Jesus Christ. Rather than leaving us in that hopeless place of separated from God, Jesus comes into human history as a man. And as God the Son, he lives the life that we would need to live to be in relationship with God. He lived that perfect life. Then he died the death we should have died in our place, rose again. And listen, listen, this is what we're all about as Christians. That's the amazing of amazing grace where we say again, yes, Lord, you've done this for me. You've changed me. You've bought me with your own blood. And listen, this is what we all have in common. Every single one of us, if you're a Christ follower in here, you are saved by grace alone through faith alone. Nothing you did so, so we can't walk with a swagger ever as Christians. Check me out. Look at how awesome I am. No, because we recognize I was dead and lost. It's only grace. It's only grace. It's all grace. That's true about, about every Christian in this room. We were lost, blind, dead in sin, and God saved us. I mean, if you're a Christian, that's your story. That's the story you tell. And then we've been adopted together into this family. We have that in unity, but we also have this diversity. That now, as these, these new followers of Christ, we've each been given different gifts. Now, why? Why the gifts? Why the variety of gifts? Look at verse seven. It says, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit. Why? For the common good. For the common good. Our third point is this. Spiritual gifts are, are given by God to those who call Jesus Lord. Why? For the mission of the church. For the mission of the church. You see, the, one of the big problems they had in this church in Corinth is that they were taking these spiritual gifts and thinking they're all about themselves. They're all about to point to, look at how amazing I am. Look at how super spiritual I am because of this gift I got. Listen, the gifts are not for us. The gifts are for the mission of the church. And we all need these gifts in our church. There, there, there is no superstar Christian at Harvest who says, don't worry, I got this, guys. I'll take it all. No one here can do that. In fact, Paul unpacks this in the, the rest of the chapter. We're going to cover this next week where Paul says, hey, listen, we're like one body with all these many parts, and, and we need all the parts of the body for us to actually carry out the mission. And he, he's saying, man, could you imagine if, if, if the body were just one great big eyeball? It couldn't operate like a body. So what he's saying, he's saying, listen, listen, if, if we're all just one way, we would be useless. We need all the parts. Here, here's what he's saying. He's saying this. He's saying, Harvest, we need your gifts for the, for the mission of our church to flourish, for the gospel to have impact in each other's lives and have impact into our community. 
For people who don't know Jesus yet, we, we need all the gifts that Jesus has brought into this church. I mean, do you believe that? That Jesus is the one who builds the church. So you're not here by accident. Jesus says, no, 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 I, I need you in this church. I need you for, for, for the mission that I've called this church to. And he brings you in. Why? So that we can be dependent on each other and then experience the fullness of the power of God. Why? Because we're working with the power of the Holy Spirit alongside Jesus Christ and we're connected with other believers as we, as we reach out to see the mission accomplished. Let, let me give you an example of, of where I've seen that just recently in our church. And I was thinking of a ton of examples, but here's one that just came recently. I mean, many of you know about the Gibbish family, right? Where the Gibbishes just tragically lost their mom. And so Andy, now here he is as a single dad. Now we have a lot of single parents in our church and, and we come alongside using our gifts to walk alongside each other and to care for those who, who are single parents. Because they, they, they need the church to come alongside and say, I'll be your partner. You lost your partner, we'll be your partner in this. And, and so here's Andy now in great need. Now, now single dad, but also with a family that's larger than most. Okay, 11 kids in the family. And, and so what happened? So, so one of the guys in our church, Paul, Paul Brown, who has, I believe, Paul has the gift of encouragement. He has a pastoral heart. I mean, just comes alongside people and loves them so well. Now, now here's how his, his gift is used. He has a pastoral gift of encouragement, but, but he's not the guy who says, well, I got to be up front then. I want to preach. No, he's like, man, I just want to come alongside people. I, I, I just want to be, show, show people God's word. I want to use my gift. And so, so Paul does it. He, he used that in small group. He uses it, he comes alongside people. He goes, hey, I'm gonna come alongside Andy because I've been walking with him for years. So, so here's Paul saying, I'm gonna use my gift. Now, now, if Paul jumped in on this and he was the only one doing it, he goes, I got this, everybody. I don't need your help. He'd be sunk. It would be over. He would be done. Because here's, here's the other thing we know about Paul. If you know Paul, he's okay with me saying this. Paul has a huge gift of encouragement. Paul has probably none of the gift of administration. All right? Guilty as charged for me too. Around the same one. He just got up and left the church, right? No, right? So, so what happens then? So Paul can't do it alone. And, and so help is needed. So what happened was, what happened was people gathered around. It was incredible. There was one night where we're in the offices in Bracebridge and, and around the table was this group of people saying, we're all here to, to make this happen. And, and God brought three ladies who were like over and abundantly gifted in administration, right? Frustratingly so. Okay, no, I'm kidding. Just awesomely so, right? Saying, we'll take care of all these details. Other people stepped in and said, hey, hey, right now for a season, we, we're gonna take some of these kids into our home. We'll, we'll use the gift God's given us to care for these kids for a season so, so Andy could get on his feet. Others who stepped in and said, hey, we can take care. They've got the gift of giving and said, we just wanna participate financially to see this happen. Others who came in and they, they've got practical gifts of, of building and said, hey, we wanna help renovate the house and some, some areas where they're gonna need this done better to be able to make this work and everyone comes together. People who, who took care of lunches, people who just took care of so many needs. Listen, that's how the church is supposed to work. That's how the gifts work. It's not one person doing it all. And listen, listen, it's not the church doing it as, as though there's just some, some weird entity called the church. No, it's us as the church saying, here's a need. Let's jump in and be a part of this. In fact, I would say this. If, if you're disconnected, if you only come once in a while, maybe you're not in a small group, you're not on mission together with anybody here in the church, I would say this, you're not fully experiencing all of Christ's power and all of his purpose for you and all of the growth he has for you. 
You can't unplug yourself from the source of this place where Jesus promised that his power be unleashed. If you unplug yourself from church, you're missing out on, on a place where Jesus, man, I wanna use you and fill you and grow you in a way that you couldn't do out on your own. That's what scripture teaches about the gifts that we're gonna learn over these next three weeks, that these gifts are not for you. They're for you to pour out into others. Let me say it this way. What would happen if on a, even on a Sunday morning, if everybody who came, even just on a Sunday morning, if, if we all came just filled up with, with the gift that God's poured into us and you're just bubbling over with this gift and you're like, man, I got this word of encouragement and I, I don't know who God has for me, but I, I'm giving this away this morning. I'm grabbing somebody this morning because I, God's given me this gift. Or maybe it's a, 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 an insight you have for scripture. Maybe it's just something else. And you're like, man, I want to come to church even on Sunday morning and go, how can I share this gift this morning? I mean, how would that change our Sundays? I mean, that's what it's supposed to be. Is this how you approach church? For many, it's, well, I just come and, and the worship team gives their gift and Who's ever preaching gives their gift and the ushers give their gift to welcome me in and the welcome team and everyone gives their gift and the Harvest Kids people give their gift of taking care of my kids and as soon as that last song is sung, I'm out. Like I got what I came to get now I just gotta go home and, and listen, here, here's the thing. The ushers are not trained to tackle you as you leave, all right? No one's gonna give you judgmental looks if that's how you roll in and roll out every Sunday. But here's what I want you to ask yourself. If that's where you're at, what does it reveal about where your heart is for the mission of Jesus? And maybe you're saying, yeah, but I'm, I'm hurting. And I mean, I get that. Take the time to heal. Allow people to come alongside you and, and to, to pray with you and to care for you. Maybe you're like, yeah, but I, I don't think I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm, I'm skilled enough or equipped enough. Then, then join in and say, hey, would you help equip me for the mission of the church and have people come alongside you? But, but here's what I want you to ask yourself. If that's you, never connecting, never jumping into this, what power and grace and joy might you be missing out on? I mean, you see this list here in, in these verses we're looking at here, just a few, I mean, maybe you've been given the gift of wisdom or knowledge and, and you have a way of seeing God's word and you have a way of seeing people's hearts that's so unique that only the spirit could do or you can see those situations, how God's word applies to it. Listen, we need that today. Maybe you've got the gift of faith. Right? And, and you see situations and then for sure you have an open hand to God's sovereignty knowing that God, you can do whatever you want but you just have this gift of faith where you're just so much, so you see that God's gonna work this out and, and listen, we need that. We need people to come alongside those who are sick and you're like, man, I have faith God's gonna heal you. Now, open hand to God, you can do what you want we, for your glory but man, I, I wanna encourage that person and you have this gift of faith. We need that. We'll unpack a lot of these gifts as this series goes on, but hear this. God has built this church. Jesus has built this church, and he's brought you. Why? Because he wants you to use your gift, because we need you. Verse 11 says this, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Why? Because God's building up the body. And you're not an audience at church. You're coming on mission. The church is not a place for a few experts. It's for all of us. And so I would say this, don't neglect the gift that God's given you. 
Don't become a spectator when you're, when you're supposed to be a participant. I would say this, that, that in the Christian life, in the church, for the Christian, there is no bench. Everybody's on the field. That's why he gave you the gift. And so you'd ask, well, how, how do I know? How do I know what my gift is? How do I know where to jump in with this? And, and we're gonna talk more about that, but, but simply for this morning, wherever your passions and your giftedness collide, you should be paying attention. Start to look at what are those things that I'm drawn to? Where, where do I, I see, man, God just brings fruit when I step into this area of ministry. Where, where do you feel the most alive as you participate in? You're like, man, I just love doing this. Maybe you're here as a mature follower of Christ. Let, let me challenge you. If you're here as a mature follower of Christ, what are you seeing in other people around you? Maybe your job for this week is to call out some gifts you see in other people. Maybe, maybe you see somebody in your small group who's, who's gifted. I would say, don't be quiet about it. Pull them aside and say, hey, hey, you know what? Man, I just see you've got this gift of encouragement and you just, you just use it so much. Just keep using that. Or, or man, I, I see you've got a real knack for teaching. Or, or man, you're so hospitable. Man, I think that's the spirit of God in you. There are a few things more life-giving than someone coming alongside you and saying, here's how I see God at work in you. And could we do that for each other? Could we come alongside each other, just point that out for each other? I'm telling you, it's life-changing. In our small groups, let's, let our small groups be this place where we're cultivating our gifts so we can serve each other in small group, be sent out on mission as our small group, building each other up for the mission of the gospel. And so for this morning, as the worship team comes up, as we end off this morning, I hope what you're hearing from this, this these short bit of verses here this morning is that, that if you're a Christ follower, every single one of you has been gifted according to the grace of God for the mission of God. And I want you to ask yourself, man, what's my part in this mission? God, why have you brought me here? Maybe God's brought you here and you're like, man, this is all great, except I'm actually not a Christ follower. I'm just checking this place out. Maybe that's why God's brought you here. And the first step for you is, man, I want to I call Christ Lord. I want to give my life to him. I want to fully rest my hope, my identity, my life on Jesus Christ because he's brought me something that I can't get on my own and I've been grasping for years and can't find it, but there's hope in Christ that for you this morning that you'd say, that's where I'm going to begin. Do that today, where you reach out to Christ and say, Jesus, I, I am a sinner separated from you, and I know that I am, and there's nothing I can do to, to be connected to you, but this morning, I want to put my hope and my trust in Jesus, in you, in what you did for me on the cross. And that you would then no longer call me an enemy, but you would call me your child, that you could do that today. If you do know Christ this morning and Listen, God's wired you and he's wired us together for a purpose. To help make this church better so that what? So that we could go out and, and so that people could see the glory of God. That God could use us as he's drawing more people to himself. And that you'd be able to participate in that and see the work of God going on. That you, you, would, you would be a part of people coming to know and love Jesus. I mean, that's why we're here. So I want to give you a chance to pray this morning even. Before the worship team leads us in, in worship, I, I just want there to be a, a, just a bit of a, a space here right now for 
for wherever you're at. And maybe for you, it's just between you and the Lord. You're gonna just spend some time just talking to the Lord. Maybe you're gonna grab people around you. You're gonna say, hey, hey I wanna grab my spouse. I wanna pray this together. I wanna grab my family. I wanna pray. Then do that too. Don't be afraid to say, we're, we're gonna pray a little differently this morning. It's not just gonna be me quietly. I'm gonna actually pray out loud and grab the people around me and we're gonna pray together. Here's what I'm asking you to do. If you don't know Christ and you wanna know Christ, that's the first prayer. If you are a Christ follower, Maybe this morning you would, you would ask, God, what, what would you have for me to do? You would ask, God, what, what's my part? God, what are my gifts? God, where, where do I start? What passions, what desires, what, what dreams, what abilities, what have you brought into my life that, that you've called me to do and I'm supposed to do this for the mission? Listen, I'm telling you when, you, when you call out to God saying, God, would you reveal this to me for your glory and for your mission? God loves to answer that prayer. He'll lead you, he'll guide you. I'm telling you together, we'll become an even better church where we're serving together, where we're loving together, where we're reaching out together so that those who don't know Christ could know him. For those who are hurting could be lifted up. For those who are growing in their walk, that they'd be made into disciples who are growing more and more like Jesus Christ. So take a moment now and just ask God, would you reveal this to me? And then, then when, you're, when you're praying that, that you'd also say to Jesus, Jesus, I want to surrender this all to you. I want to follow you as my Lord. Would you take your time right now and just pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have loved us, that while we are enemies, that, Lord Jesus, you would die for us. And that you would, you would change our hearts from hearts of stone to hearts of flesh. You, you, would, you would change us from being those who are dead to those who are alive. You would, you would rescue us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. God, you are amazing in your grace. And Lord, that you wouldn't stop there, that, that in your grace, you would gift us. You would pour out your spirit into our lives in a unique way for each person across this room who calls you Lord. God, for, for your glory and your mission. And so Lord, together, God, would you grow us as a church family? Would you grow us on mission together? That we would seek you, that we would, we would use the gifts you've given us. We wouldn't, we wouldn't hide them and, and just shrink back. We wouldn't just use them for our own glory. But God, we would come together and pour out our lives. Lord, you have poured out your grace on us. You poured out your blessing on us for them to pour out your grace for others. Lord, use us for your glory. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me as we sing? Amen.